It doesn't matter where you come from, what you're going through, who you have been. If you have been made new in Christ, we're alive in Him, and that hope changes everything. I believe right now, it's more important than ever in my own lifetime to celebrate a life in Christ. Because here's the deal. We have lost so much in the past few months. Many of you have lost jobs. Seniors have lost much of their senior year. Others of you have lost your sports seasons. Others of you have lost health. And most importantly, some of you have lost loved ones. And I'm sorry, my heart breaks for that. That's why our celebrating the fact that we have a living hope in Christ no matter what happens, even as we face death, is so important because no one can take your living hope away. During times like this, it is good to mourn. Uh, that, that means we'd come together and we'd sympathize with one another. We, we would come alongside the hurting because this time it has uh, been hurtful. To be honest, I hate so much of the junk I see you going through. But a lot of it has nothing to do with COVID-19. The world we live in is dark. It has rebelled and, and moved away from Christ, and there's much pain in that. So we need to understand that, that as we stay focused on Christ, we can have hope for tomorrow. And remember, as we mourn, as we hurt, we do not mourn like people who have no hope. Paul says we mourn as people who have hope. So even as we mourn, we know our future is bright. And sure, we're tested. There, there's times of great hurt. But that pain is producing something. It's producing perseverance. It makes us more like Jesus. Paul says in Romans 8, he says this, We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He goes on to say, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says nothing, not even death. You need to hear this right now. Nothing can separate you. No matter where you're at, no matter uh, how you're watching this, if you're in Christ, nothing can separate you from God and His love because of what Christ has done for you. God loved you so much that He was willing to send Jesus Christ to be our sacrificial Savior, to die on the cross. That's His love for us. You can be forgiven because not only did He die, but He lives. You need to hear this right now. Yes, you. You are loved. God loves you. Here's another truth. I love you. Sometimes we just need to hear that. Our daughter, Daly, who is seven, has really become excellent at telling others she loves them. Just this week, I overheard Daly and Tiffany in a conversation. She said, Mom, I love you so much. She said, Mom, you're the greatest mom. I love you. She was talking about how she loved how Tiffany combed her hair and taught her how to dance and to sing and, and to play games. And a lot of these noble things, she just kept listening to these things that she loved about Tiffany. That was a big deal. It was amazing to hear. And then she realized that I was in the room, and she looked at me and was quiet for a little bit, really didn't know what to say. And then she said, Dad, I love you too. She says, I love the way you make the best gravy in the world, and you're really good at playing with my bugs. Now, that may sound strange to you, but I need to hear that. Here's a picture of Daly and I playing with her bugs and just living in their plastic bugs. But it means a lot to her, and it means a lot to me. And I'm so thankful that she had the courage to say she loves me. She loves her mom. I want you to know I love you. And it may seem, sound strange, but because of Christ's love in my heart, I'm compelled to love you as well. We have been praying as an eldership that you would know the love of Christ and you would share that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to share with you a scripture that the elders and I prayed over you as an eldership this past week. It's taken from Paul's prayer for the people in Ephesus. And he's praying that they would know God's love as well. 
And he says these words. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That, that is our prayer for you, that you would know God's great love for you and, and how bright your future is. We want you to know that you can trust God for your future. We pray that that hope inspires you to love others because that hope changes everything. That's our vision. Some of you got a copy of our vision in the mail this week. If you received the, the monthly newsletter, you received what we call the VMV. It's our vision, mission, and value. And, and I explained in the newsletter, and we also shared this with you. If you've got one of these, I encourage you to hang it up on your refrigerator. If you're not receiving our newsletter and you want to do that, let us know in the office. Uh, many of you will also receive a copy of this through the electronic newsletter. But if you're checking us out online lately, or maybe you've been a lifelong member, we want you to know the heart of what we're trying to live out for Christ, what we're really about, and that's found in our vision, our mission, our values. Our vision is this, hope changes everything. Our mission is simple, love God, love people, and serve all. If you've ever wondered why we do what we do or why we ask you to participate in certain things, it's all about this. Here's the end, that, that we would love God, love people, and serve all. In that, we would display the hope of Christ to the world. We must be growing, though, in our knowledge of God's love for us. And in that, we will want to spill that love out and it will overflow to others' lives. We've got to be loving people. Right now, in the midst of the COVID crisis, it's the perfect time to increase our love for God. And in essence, it will also increase our love for people. That's where we left off last week. I left you with this challenging statement that many of you have talked about this week uh, since we've said that. It's simply this. That God gives us the ability to love people more when we love them less than Him. And here's all this really means. When we love God first and very most in our lives, it will allow us, in our, even as humans, to love people even more. Because on our own, we will begin to be selfish and we'll pull back that love. But the more we love God, the more we will love people. God has called us to love Him, to love others. Can you imagine what it would be like if the church was full of people who loved God and loved others? To have men and women, teenagers, boys and girls who, who loved God so much that they, they went out and loved their communities, loved the, the people they were in school with, loved the people they worked with. Not just a couple, not just a few dozen, but hundreds of people who are pointing others to Jesus through loving them. What would it be like if that was the norm in Greenville and Bond County and all throughout Illinois? Loving God and loving people. I get excited to think about what that looks like. I challenge you to increase your love for God, and it will increase your love for others. You know it, but do we do it? Or do we do love to others when it's easy? Do we love God when it's easy? An expert of the law came to Jesus in Luke chapter 10. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. 
And we're going to see this familiar passage about the Good Samaritan. But how the Good Samaritan story comes about is there's this teacher of the law, an expert, and comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, hey, how must I, uh, what must I do to have eternal life? And, and Jesus asked him a question. And the gentleman responds in this way. Look at verse 27. He answered Jesus. By the way, if Jesus ever asks a question in Scripture, it's not because he doesn't know. He's going to do some teaching. This guy is on some hot water here. He's saying, hey, I'm about ready to teach you. Jesus never says, well, what do you think? Because he doesn't know. But this guy plays right into it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. This expert knew the law. He, he had heard Jesus talk about this in the past. That we're to love God and love people. But was he doing it? Look what Jesus said. He says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. He says, you're right on track. You, you, you've got your mission focused. You're clearly seeing what God is leading you to do. But then look at verse 29. The word of God says this. But he, this expert wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Don't we all try to justify ourselves? Sometimes even going to God and say, Lord, I've done this, I've loved this person. I do not have to do that, do I? Haven't I done enough? That's kind of what the expert of the law is doing here with Jesus. He's saying, hey, I know these things, but who's my neighbor? Is it just the people I hang out with? And Jesus is saying, man, this expert needs to learn a lot. So he tells him a story. Look with me to the story to Luke chapter 10. Starting with verse 30, the word of God says this, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look, af look after him, he said, and I will return. I will reimburse you for an extra any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. In this text, we clearly see that if we're loving people, if we're going to serve them, we are going to be showing the mercy. I want you to clearly hear this. Love people by showing the mercy. Too often we love people because they deserve it. They've done something that, that pleases us or, or we want to uh, get closer to them so we love them. I want to remind you here that, that at the core, God's love is for us that when we deserve punishment, he had mercy on us and was kind to us and loved us even when we didn't deserve it. Right now, I, I pray that you would begin to love people when they don't deserve it, when they can do nothing for you. In this quarantine, I wonder if you maybe have thought, man, I should be further along than this. We should be through the quarantine, maybe you think you should be further along in your job as a person or maybe as a parent. But I'm more concerned to you as a Christian. I believe many of us, including myself, need to be further along by loving people, not as, not as we as humans want to love them, but as God loved us. That out of mercy, he was kind to us and showed us love. Love people. 
even when they don't deserve it, even when they're laying down hurt, even when they have been abused, even when they've hit rock bottom, that's when they need love the most. Love people by showing them mercy just as you have received mercy. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you today. It is excellent for us to, to love. But we're called to love as God loves. And, and, and when we love in that way, it is not because someone deserves it. It is because of mercy. The Old Testament, David understood this very well. He understood God's mercy. In, in the Old Testament, here's what he writes in Psalm 71. I tell you of your goodness. All day long I speak of your salvation. Though it is more than I can understand, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will proclaim your goodness and yours alone. I will shout for joy with my whole being. I will sing because you have saved me. I will speak of your righteousness all day long because those who have tried to harm me have been defeated and disgraced. David understood this as much as anyone. David suffered much sin and and, and he had a very dark time in his life, and yet God, in his great mercy, showed David love and drew him back into relationship. And what David's saying in that passage is, I have seen how God has saved me, and now I'm going to proclaim that I belong to him, that his love is, is, is fierce, that his love is powerful. And he portrayed that to everyone that he came into contact with. He shined for the Lord. Jesus says this, you're going to be salt and light in this world for me. God's word also says we're going to shine like stars, in this dark world, we're going to shine. Who's going to shine? You are, if you've been made new in Him. When is it going to happen? Right now. And I believe as much as anything, it's from loving people. So how can we love people right now? I think one of the big truths from this story of the Good Samaritan is we're going to love people that are different than we are. Reach out to those who are around you that are different than you are right now. Especially during times like this. Uh, so many times we're, we're tempted to just uh, recluse back into our family circles and our closest friends, and we totally forget people that are different. Have you not noticed the lines of, of political allegiance and religion and race and background and, and financial status have, have, been, have been almost magnified? That's why the love of Christ that is in us as we reach out to people that are different than us, especially through political uh, divides, especially through financial divides, especially through, through racial differences, when we love people that are different, we bring them into our circle to provide for them and, and, and care for them, God's love shines. And to do anything else is actually sinful. You may say, well, as long as I'm loving people, I'm okay. Look what James says in James chapter 2. He says, yes, indeed, it is good for you to obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. So here's the deal. It is not enough for us to have a holy huddle in our homes or when we come back to church, which we're going to do. It's going to be an awesome day, by the way. But it's not enough for us to have a holy huddle of people that are like us, who agree with us, who, who have been brought up like us. We are called to love everyone for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ, to draw everyone to, to shine uh, for Christ in, in every way and not show favoritism, to, to not exclude people. We're to love our neighbor, to love our families, but we're to also love those who are far from us because they're often far from God. Peter also says this in Acts chapter 10. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ 
who is the Lord of all. Love those that are different than you. Reach out to them. Be aware of, of who they are and what they need. And then here's the next part. Meet their needs. We see in the text that this man who was beaten by the robbers had definite physical needs. He was, he was left for dead. He had nourishment needs. He had shelter needs. And this gentleman who was totally different says, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to go above and beyond that. And that's what we're called to do, to care for one another, to, 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 to share with one another. Galatians chapter 5 really calls us out on this. So sometimes as Americans we think, well, we, we have freedom and we're going to use our freedom to, to kind of get what we want. Here's what the Word of God says. As Christians who are Americans, no matter who you are, no matter what nation you're listening as, in Galatians chapter 5 he says this, You were called to be free, free from sin, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Who around you right now has a need? Meet that. Go out and take care of a need of someone today. Not only will they feel God's love, you will be encouraged as well because you'll be the hands and feet of Jesus. Also pray for them. If you want someone to feel God's love, pray for them. Time and time again in Scripture, we see Paul saying, uh, Father, I give thanks for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I give thanks for these people in my life. Pray for them by first thanking God for them but also pray for wisdom. That's one of the greatest things we see through Scripture that's, that's asked of God is wisdom. And we can pray for people to be wise with their finances, with their, with their health, uh, with their job choices and their responsibilities. Pray for wisdom for one another. Pray for wisdom for the elders right now as we begin to prepare and, and look forward to meeting together within this building again. We, we want to do that in the safest way possible, but we do not want to set on our hands and be slow to that. Ask God to give us wisdom that we would be able to meet together again very soon under his protection and in a plan of safety. Also pray that for peace. In this world that people have fear, people are stressed, pray for peace. Paul puts this prayer. It could be a very specific prayer that you could pray for one of your friends as well. He prays for the church in Thessalonica that they would be blessed with peace. He says this, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. Man, that's a big deal. Uh, no matter what you face, no matter what's going on, uh, I pray for peace for them. Tag someone else right now that you know that, that you've prayed for on social media. Here, better than that, pray for someone and then call them and say, I pray for better than that, pray with them on the phone. Just this week, I called someone to wish them a happy birthday and, and, um, and I said, man, can I pray with you? And I could tell it really mattered. Not only that I called, but that we prayed together. Send someone to know and write down a prayer. Let them know you're praying for wisdom and peace. Man, I pray that this spreads out through our church family and through the people that you know that, that God's power through prayer would change their life. Here's another simple thing you can do when you love people. Let's smile at them. I don't know if you've noticed, but some people in our area around the world are a little sad. They're a little scared. And they may have not received a smile for a long time. Now, one thing you can't do is embrace them with a hug or handshake. This week, I went to give someone a high five. I forgot about the quarantine for a moment. I was so excited. And they're like, no, not right now. But we smiled. We had joy. Take a moment and smile at someone. It could really change their day. It encourages them. Take, take time to, to be real with people, to connect. Colossians chapter 4 says this. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, even as you smile. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't go around with a grumpy face all the time. Let your conversation, let your face be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
God is clearly speaking here, make the most of every chance we get with our words. But I would even take that further in with our face. Be, be a person with joy and a good attitude. When is the last time you slowed down and just smiled at someone? To share with them the, the simple joy that you have in your heart that comes from God. I believe it's contagious. I want you to watch this video and this kind of poem that this gentleman shared recently. Of why a smile is contagious. Hello. A smile can be very contagious. You can catch it like the flu. Someone smiled at me today, and I started smiling too. When I went around the corner, this guy seen my grin. And when he started smiling, I knew I passed it on to him. <laughs> then I got to thinking just what a smile is worth. A smile like ours could travel all around the earth. So if you feel a smile coming on, don't keep it on detected. Smile at someone next to you, and we'll get the whole darn world infected. Ah, woo! Today, let's get some smiles going. Let's make it contagious. Take a picture of yourself or a family member of a friend with a big smile and put the hashtag on it. We are GFCC. Let those smiles spread and let it be contagious and love people the way Christ has called us to love them. One of the biggest issues that keeps us from seeing each other smile, that in fact keeps us from seeing each other's emotion in general, is a mask. And if you love someone enough, I believe you'll take time to help them remove their mask. I'll say that again. Love people by helping them remove their mask. Now, I'm not talking about the mask that we wear to protect and, and keep us from spreading the COVID virus. I am first and foremost talking about the mask that covers over our heart and our true emotion, our true identity. It's called sin. Sin is something we allow to, to cover our hearts, to infect us to the point where, where we're not who we're called to be, where we're, we belong. Uh, instead of to, to Christ and to the Lord, we belong, uh, we think to ourselves, but we really belong to the evil and dark world that Satan controls. If someone is lost and struggling with sin, they often find it difficult to be real. They try to cover up what's really going on. And until they confess their sins and allow Christ to remove that, they will continue to struggle and be full of fear and in a dark place. If you love someone, I challenge you to not ignore their sin, but come alongside them and allow them to reveal their sin first and foremost to God and repent of that sin and have it taken away by the power of Jesus Christ. And you don't do that by, by preaching them and condemning them while you don't condone it, but you patiently and gently point them to Jesus and the fact that they can be made new in Him. That they need to repent, which means to identify that sin, uh, turn from it and walk with God away from that sin. God so loves it when we lead other people to repentance so that another one would be saved by the redemption and the power of Jesus Christ. Who do you know right now that's lost in sin? That may be covered up, that, that may not be shining like, like you know they have potential to because they're bound by sin, they're living in fear. They're, they're literally scared to, to catch COVID because they don't know what will happen when they die. While all of us should avoid that and, and, and look forward to living for Him, even if we face death, we can shine because we've been set free. The mask has been removed. Who do you know right now that needs to have that change? Man, love them. Come alongside them. Listen to them. Share with them the good news of Jesus. Maybe it's you right now. Maybe today you've realized that you're covered in still sin. And you have not allowed Jesus to, to remove it you have not accepted his sacrifice for you on the cross, that he died for you, that he rose from the grave, and that you can live with him when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. If you're ready to take that next step of accepting Jesus as your Savior, man, email me this week. 
uh, reach out to a Christian friend. My email address is, is here. You can call us at church. We want you to take that next step and, and give your life to Christ. Be made new in baptism and begin to shine for Him. It's time to take off the mask and be made new in Christ. Because His hope changes everything. And when we have that hope, we're going to love God like never before. We're going to begin to love people. We're going to shine in this dark world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, let us shine for you. We believe that your hope changes everything. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to love you and to love others. Lord, let this be contagious. Father, if someone here today, right now, is their heart is being drawn to you, I pray that they would connect with that person that they trust that they would send that email to begin the conversation, that they would give us a call and we could begin to move forward with Christ together because of his great love in us. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.